Hey guys, welcome to our book hangover. My name is Wyatt. And I'm Lauren. And this is supposed to be episode three of our podcast. Unfortunately, we lost the other two episodes. We recorded for like hours upon hours, edited, did everything we can. And for whatever reason, whenever it came to uploading, our files got corrupted and we just couldn't make it work. We could have uploaded it, but we just didn't feel like it was great quality. So we said, you know what? Screw it. Scrap it. Let's start over. So here we are starting over again on episode one for you guys for today's episode. Yeah. So since y'all have not had a formal introduction from us yet, this will be our introduction. So as Wyatt just said, we are our book hangover. And essentially the reason why we chose to do this is we're just two friends trying to discuss books in a comfortable capacity, super casual We're kind of centering this around all fiction books pretty much because this is something that we both enjoy reading. But essentially, we will choose two books at random every month and we will record these two sessions no matter whether we love or hate it. So we don't want it to just be, oh, we heard great things about this. You know, we're going to give a review about this book just because it has great reviews. No, if we read something and we end up hating it, we're going to rant about it as well. So, leading into our first book, we are going to review All the Bright Places. Yeah, so as Lauren said, we'll be talking about All the Bright Places. All the Bright Places by Jennifer Niven is a heartbreaking book about mental illness and its powerful effects on people suffering from it. Finch and Violet meet on top of the bell tower at school. They both consider jumping off, but they save each other from doing so. And it's kind of a book going back and forth from their perspectives and their daily lives and how their relationship and a kind of friendship begins to unfold. Yeah, so just as a general disclaimer going forward, all of our reviews will contain spoilers, so please feel free if you have not read the book, or if you don't care about spoilers, you can continue listening. But if you have not read the book, please pause and then come back later and then listen along with us. So just to get started, our first question will revolve around Finch falling through a lot of the social like safety nets, such as like his school. So how could the system have served Finch better overall? Oh, man, it was really difficult. I mean, just to preface for those listening, I would say like kind of trigger warnings. This book talks a lot about mental illness, suicide, suicide attempts, a lot of really deep, difficult conversations. It kind of made me mad. I just felt like nobody cared enough. Like the concept that he was being bullied so much and was dropping out, like it just made me feel so mad of how little support he was receiving like even his counselor that was quote-unquote doing his job and trying to be there for him mm-hmm. i would just like respectfully you're a shitty counselor <laughs> like no i so agree bad i literally like flagged when i was analyzing the book i flagged this one part because the counselor literally says it's something word for word like and goddamn just stay alive yeah. like who says that at the end of a session like what Okay, give him resources to help him stay alive. You understand, like, they all treat him like he's this delinquent when clearly he has issues. The counselor sees it. Teachers see this. Mm -hmm. But they just decide to just brush it under the rug like it's nothing. Yeah. And I think it, like, goes back to, like, the stigma that school counselors are really shitty. Like, everyone always talks about how, unfortunately, like, school counselors are really shitty because they don't care. They're kind of just there doing their job. And they don't really provide the support and resources need to actually help students, which really sucks because I feel like if there's anyone in the world that needs a lot of support mentally, it's students, whether you're in high school, middle school, college, whatever. Like there's a lot of stress and changes going on in people's lives. And yeah. it kind of sucks that like 
school counselors are notoriously awful counselors. Yeah, and I think it's sad because also I feel like a lot of the time during school, especially high school, when people are like finding out more about themselves or if they have depression or a mental illness and they're stuck in these situations because maybe it stems from the house they live in, how are they going to escape that? Like literally their only escape is school. Yeah. And then in Finch's case, if you go to school and all the students are bullying him, calling him freak, yep. weirdo all the time, I mean, that's not an escape either. And then you go to your counselor and your counselor's just like, can you just stay freaking alive. stay alive? Like, yeah, that is not good in the slightest. It is. Yeah, it really was super disappointing to say the least. Yeah. OK, so kind of going off of that, do you think the teen characters seemed realistic and why or why not? I think it just depends. I think it's very difficult to I just hate when people like are so tunnel visioned as to what teenagers should act. Mm-hmm. I think that's changed a lot. Like I think people like, for example, they make fun of like, oh, God, what's that John Green book? <laughs> The Fall in Our Star. Star. Stop. It's the way that I literally wrote a note at the end and said, this reminds me of my Fault in the Stars days. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I think people are so, like, for example, like, respectfully, I love John Green as a human being, but that book was an awful, like, depiction of teenagers. Like, no one speaks like that. No cancer surviving human being buys cigarettes, puts it in between okay. his lips and says, it's a metaphor. Okay. No, it is not a metaphor, okay, sir. Okay, okay, okay. So for me, like, I think it's really <laughs> weird when people have this, like, tunnel visioned image of, like, what teenagers should be and how they should act. Because I think teenagers, especially nowadays, are so much more complex than, like, putting them into whatever category feels right for people. But I did say, like, a lot of it felt real, you know, whether it's, the way kids can just be so cruel to each other and like not understand complex emotions such as what's going on in people's lives. Like it is very difficult for teenagers oftentimes because they're so caught up in their own lives and, you know, societal pressures and cultural pressures mm-hmm. in their own school to think about, oh, what if someone else is going through something bad? I would definitely think like the depiction of mental illness and everything was very real. I think the only thing that might be considered quote unquote not real, this just depends on who you are as a person is like, I don't know how you explain it, like the spice of it all, like the quoting of like these super, you know, intellectual quotes and the journey playing out and stuff like that. I think those can be a little far fetched, but I wouldn't say like it's impossible. I want to say there's no teenager out there in the world who I almost feel like does that. Yeah, almost makes me think like. (laughs) <laughs> they're a little pretentious like I don't know <laughs> the way like they quote all these things but don't get me wrong was I sucked into it yes yeah when they were like going back so and beautiful. forth yeah and especially there was one part where Finch is like I know this is like weird but he's like I'm really like turned on when they're like sending Virginia Woolf quotes yes. back and forth but also I, I think obsessed. it was real because he only knew like what he only knew like one or two and yeah. then he, he, his ass he has to google them that. which but, I think is super real like I have definitely yeah, done that yeah, before yeah. where like I was trying You're to impress like, gotta someone keep this conversation going absolutely I was like trying to impress someone and I've like I sucked them in initiating <laughs> it and then I was like I literally have no clue no how to continue this conversation to go. Yeah. so I started googling and I think that's very realistic so Just going back to, like, if the characters are realistic, the only part that I had kind of a hard time fathoming is when they are standing at the bell tower. And, I mean, you can clearly tell Finch is not in a good state of mind. They think, like, he is going to commit suicide. Like, they know that was what his intention was. And then he comes down from the bell tower and all these kids are, like, weirdo, freak, calling him. Like, I'm like, 
do you not see he is not okay who yeah. would say these things but also both of people are so mean yeah i know because Especially, i you read about these cases yes. and things like that and so i know it's real that just wasn't my experience yeah. which i'm lucky to say that wasn't Absolutely. my experience but i know other people experience that yeah. so it was just hard, i think like, it's also like it goes back to like being a teenager of like i don't want to say they're not capable of expressing complex emotions they are mm-hmm. they're just in their own way but i think like for example like have you like you know when you're younger and if you liked someone you would make fun of them yeah right and that was like your weird way of showing that person you liked them because you were just incapable of like actually showing them affection flirting because you just weren't able to like comprehend that and it just didn't make sense to you so i feel like them as teenagers like they couldn't comprehend that their fellow student or whomever was like about to commit suicide so for them they're just like i'm just gonna make fun of him like to make the situation lighter because i can't comprehend that this almost happened you're right. I mean, all of this, I wrote like notes about this, how this whole book is about making you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so it's like all these kids are uncomfortable with how Finch is and like his situation. So instead of handling it in a proper way, expressing their emotions and like being associated with him, they just bully him yeah. essentially. Okay, so moving on at the beginning of the book, Violet's depressed enough to think about suicide so how is her depression different from Finch's? Oh, man. Also, I just want to point out, I loved the fact that it showed truly two different types of depression. Yeah. And there's not just two types. There's so many more different types of depression. We can be depressed about the same exact thing, but completely express it differently. Mm-hmm. And I think that just shows how beautifully complex people are. I don't know. I... Loved it because she was depressed because she lost her sister in an accident that she was involved. She feels guilty for it. I mm-hmm. mean, I can't imagine even feeling that way. Like, that's absolutely awful. And he is depressed. I can't say specifically why he is depressed, but he was going through his own traumatic issues and reasons and was struggling with life. And the part that broke my heart the most was he was trying so hard to stay alive. Yeah. And finding reasons to stay alive, but he couldn't. And I think that was just so hard. I don't want to make assumptions for their characters, but in my perspective, it seemed like Violet didn't necessarily want to die. She just wanted to end how she was feeling. Yeah. Versus I feel like Finch was more, he was more not willing to, but he was almost like more willing to die. And that's why like every time he would go through ways to commit suicide, he would like, go through the statistics, go through the emotions of it. Is this a good way to get caught? Is this not a good way to get caught? How does this end out? How many people die like this? Like he was more thorough about it versus I feel like she was just so caught up in her emotions and her kind of everything that was happening around her that she just wanted to end it mm-hmm. all. And she thought that maybe suicide was the way, but I don't personally think that she genuinely could have ever gone through with it. But that's just my opinion. I feel like the big difference here is that, so, I mean, the assumption here is that Finch had undiagnosed bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. That's Which, a very another big, reason why I was pissed off at the counselor, because he was so he late, even, like, and he wanted to tell his mom, yeah. and then literally left a voicemail, and that's it. I'm sorry. Yeah. If you're as a counselor, think you you're- You would call the parent in. Yes. Have a conversation. Like, it's not- Yeah, that pissed me off. But um, sorry, continue. But- I think the big difference between the two is that, like I said, he has undiagnosed bipolar disorder, but Violet, on the other hand, her depression stems from one event. Mm -hmm. Not to say like, 
one's worse than the other, like not belittling or anything because they're both hard things to go through. I just think it was like Violet was put into this situation. I feel like she had been boxed in. She lost all of her friends. Yeah. She didn't want to be in this situation anymore. But then the difference between her and Finch is Finch, like that was his world all the time. Like it Mm -hmm. was either he was manic doing these crazy things, having a great time, or he gets to the lowest of lows and can't even come out of his closet. Yeah. And so like, that's just the big difference between their depression and how they kind of went about things. Because Violet's was more inward. Like, she's like, I'll stay here. Like, I won't drive. I won't do fun things. I'm not going to go out with my friends anymore. But then on the other hand, like, Finch went between two different extreme spectrums of, like, going out all the time, like, staying up all night, running for miles on end, and then, like, running back to his house just in the middle of the night, like, things like that. And then just, like I said, going into this dark depression. Yeah. On that topic, do you think the depiction of his bipolar disorder was realistic? And if so, or if not, depending on how you view it, do you feel like it could have been avoided had he been diagnosed earlier? I mean, I'm no expert by any means, but from the little knowledge I do have and things I've seen and read up about, I think it almost like wasn't staring you in the face because typically like when you watch a show or something, like you watch a documentary about it, like when they talk about these manic episodes, I feel like it's so obvious that it is a manic episode Mm -hmm. and that they're going nonstop. But him just like going on a run, it's like, okay, well, that could just be how he copes with yeah. things. Like I was so confused the entire goddamn book. I was like, <laughs> why won't he sleep? Why does he keep running? I don't yeah. understand. And I like, even as I was annotating, I was like leaving notes like, okay, like, does he not want to sleep because he's afraid of, you know, like just thinking about suicide yeah, and like, like going whatever. Back. And then he was talking about the episode where like he sleeps and like stays asleep. Or I'm like, I literally could not wrap my head around what that meant and what was happening. And I agree. It was like that thing where it's like it's not staring you in the face of what is going on with him. And so you're spending this entire book trying to understand. It really messed me up because I felt like the entire book I was trying to fix him. Yeah. I was like, how do I help him? How do I help this character? Like, what could I do? Because it really just makes you ask yourself, are you this aware of people around you? Well, you know, so... This is a little off topic, but I know that Violet feels responsible for mm-hmm. Finch's death by the end of the story. And I think one of those reasons is because, and this isn't even just her as a character. This happens so many times where you talk to someone who knows someone who commits suicide. Mm-hmm. And it's like they always, most of the time, say they seemed happy. They mm-hmm. seemed normal. And it's always this, they seemed okay. Yeah, it's always a shock. Yeah. And so I think like, because there are plenty of times like I tabbed throughout the book Mm -hmm. where Violet would be concerned about something Finch said or like the way he reacted. Mm -hmm. But then he would be normal like one page later and she'd be like, oh, well, maybe I'm overthinking it. Yeah. So I feel like she always was in this constant cycle of, well, maybe I'm overthinking it. And Mm -hmm. I think we're all like just in life in general, when we're faced with something we don't know how to handle, I think we're all too scared to bring it up. And like the fact that it'll make it awkward or uncomfortable because I feel like it's really hard to just say, hey, like, are you having suicidal tendencies? Like, you know, that's a very awkward thing to bring up. 
So I kind of feel like Violet feels responsible because of that, because she could never speak up and actually get out that question. I think that's the part that's always interesting. It's like, unfortunately for people who do end up committing suicide, a lot of times it obviously doesn't just affect them. It affects the people around them. And that includes those people around them feeling guilty, feeling like, what could I have done better? What could I have Mm -hmm. prevented? I should have checked up on them more. They feel guilty and they kind of take that with them. And that's kind of the heartbreaking part is that truly like suicide does not just affect the person who kills themselves, but rather an entire almost community of people around them. Because even if you have one person in your life, that person also has one person and that person also Mm -hmm. has one person. And so indirectly, you are affecting so many people in your life. Yeah. And that was Violet. Violet just, even though she was there for him and she had all these adventures and she had all these moments with him, she still felt responsible because she still felt like she could not face the fact that she could have done something better. And I think that's so tough. And I think it's very unfair for her or anyone to blame themselves. I mean, I think sometimes not you can blame yourself. I think obviously like if you have people in your life who are depressed or who are going through tough times, like be there for them. Just offer them an ear, a hand, whatever it may be. But also it's very difficult to just assume responsibility for someone's life because that's I will say I liked the part where Violet goes to talk to Finch's counselor after Mm -hmm. he passes away. And the counselor says, like, essentially, he wants to blame himself. Mm -hmm. And yes, he knew there were, like, holes that Finch fell through Mm -hmm. because he didn't do everything he could. But he's like, I can't blame myself. And he essentially told Violet, you can't blame yourself either. So I I really liked that. I wanted the counselor to blame himself. I know. I don't agree that it's his fault. But I was just so mad at him because, once again, that's kind of just, like, I felt like I was going through all the stages of grief towards the end of the book because – yeah. I just felt like I was looking for someone to blame because I just couldn't understand because I'm falling in love with this character as I'm reading the book. I'm falling in love with who he is, his will to live. You can see that he is trying. And I think that's the hardest part is it's not that he, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, they have a stigma of depression and Mm -hmm. suicidal tendencies that you just want to give up, that it's just the easy way out. And for him, it wasn't the easy way. He was trying so hard to live. He wanted to live. He wanted to look for reasons to live. And he, unfortunately, like at the end for himself, couldn't find it. And I was just so mad because I was looking to everyone around him. And I'm like, where were you? Why did you fail yeah. him as a person? And the counselor was one of that. I was like, it is literally your professional job. And so, and they all view him as a delinquent, as I previously said. And I know there's one part where Violet's parents like get angry mm-hmm. because they're like, Essentially, it was a selfish thing to do. And I hate that mentality mm-hmm. so much because it's like you can't even fathom the amount of pain that they must be in yeah. to go through with that. Like, that's not a simple, easy decision. You don't make this decision on a whim. Yeah. So just the fact that you can – yes, you can be angry about it, but you should not be blaming. Yeah. Because I was they just, had no say. Like, I'm just kind of going through my annotations here and like – from the beginning of the book, like, there was a quote that he said that I was like, oh, my God, I feel like he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, on page 290. And it's kind of towards the end where he says, like, I cleared out some things, giving a few things to Goodwill. Yeah. And it was, like, stuff like that. And I was like, I knew it. But I was like, no. And the fact that, once again, like, this is me looking for blame because I feel like this is just what people do. But I was like, Violet, are you 
fucking stupid. I was like, <laughs> he's giving away his things. He's literally clearing his room. Like, yeah. Well, to accompany notice. that quote, <laughs> I also tabbed a quote where Violet takes his hoodie after she goes searching for him mm-hmm. and she like smells it and she takes it with her because mm-hmm. it's like it's that one last thing you want of him. And I hated it because I was like, I mean, you know what's coming. You yeah. know what's happening. Like, it's not a good sign if she's taking this item as, like, his last thing. Okay, so moving on, Finch and Violet visit a lot of kind of mundane or ordinary places that you could get in a lot of different towns. Like, just little quirky things. Not that everyone's interested in it. So, cheesy tourist attractions. So why do you think these places feel so special to Violet and Finch? I think it's because it was their place. I think there's like cheesy places that people go to when you're in a small town. But I think for them, it was so special because it was like their thing. Mm -hmm. It was like, even though it was within their small town, it was within the boundaries of what they're so used to. Mm -hmm. So they kind of were able to like sneak off and it felt like it was like their own place to where it wasn't associated with all the pain, trauma that they feel in their direct small town and i think that was what was so special about their kind of relationship and the things that they did is like they kind of made things special for each other Mm -hmm. and that's what built that kind of friendship and relationship between them yeah i think also what makes it so special is maybe violet doesn't see this but like to me it's it's just glaring like with each trip she gets a little better. She mm-hmm. remembers how to live again. Yeah. Which that's all thanks to Finch. Mm-hmm. So it's just like kind of going through each of these things. Like with one of these, she like actually has fun. Mm-hmm. Who knows the last time she had fun, like in the past year. Yeah. Then the next one, she actually gets in a car, hasn't been in a car for mm-hmm. a year. So it's just like these little things and getting better at moving forward with her life. Yeah. And I think like that kind of really goes into kind of my next question, which is like Finch was a super great counselor to Violet. Like he was able to get her out of her bubble, able to allow her to have fun, able to get her in a car and trust him. You know, he was really good to her. Like, what do you think prevented him from being able to have the same insight for himself? You know, he gave her all this advice. He helped break her out of her bubble. He helped her find why it was so good to live. Mm -hmm. Why do you feel like he couldn't do the same for himself? I almost feel like he felt like he was unworthy Mm -hmm. because, I mean, they talk about how his dad treated him and his family. And so clearly there's trauma and he has just a lot of emotions built up surrounding that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to fight his dad like numerous times. And I think also there's this stigma of bipolar disorder because even when they're in the support group that he goes to, I think it's that scene where they like mention, oh, like, have you heard like about bipolar disorder? Or maybe it was in his individual meeting with his counselor. But he's like mentions bipolar disorder and Finch just kind of stares blankly and he's like, oh, Okay, yeah. And just kind of ignores that because I think it's something that's so swept under the rug with Mm -hmm. his family because clearly his dad also has issues Mm -hmm. and no one addresses his father's issues. The fact that he goes into these dark depressions and Mm -hmm. then will snap out of it and just be happy-go-lucky with his new family. Yeah. So I think like the stigma surrounding it is that Finch wanted to be okay and if he admitted that he has bipolar disorder – It's like, 
that essentially confirms to everyone that he is a fuck up. Mm-hmm. All these things he does, like he is a delinquent. Yeah. Like I think he didn't want to admit because I think he saw his dad go through those moods. Mm-hmm. And I think he didn't want to admit to himself that he could be the same. Because yeah. I think he just so badly didn't want to be anything like his father. I agree. But I also think... Like, oftentimes people are really, some people can be really good at giving advice, but not taking it for themselves. Yeah. Like, that's why they say, like, practice what you preach. (laughs) Like, I know, for example, like, I have a lot of friends who come to me for advice and I'll give it to them. And they're like, oh, like, thank you. You're really great at giving advice. But, like, for myself, like, hell no. Not even, like, happening. Someone can give me the same advice I gave to myself. (laughs) I'm like, you're dumb. (laughs) No, I literally (laughs) had this conversation today because I gave someone advice and they were like, okay, so why don't you do that? And I was like. Hey, Don't this worry is about, about you, not about me. Don't like, mind your business. Me. Like- <laughs> it is really difficult. And especially when it comes to like difficult things in life, like it's so hard to zoom out and give yourself the advice that you need. Because mm-hmm. like you mentioned, like I'm sure he felt unworthy of that and he just didn't want to see himself and what he saw around him. Yeah. Which was so difficult. Like Probably the last hundred pages of the book, not even hundred, probably less than that, was the most heartbreaking things I've ever read in my mm-hmm. entire life. Like I genuinely felt like I was grieving with Violet. I felt like I was experiencing my close friend, my lover's suicide. Like it was just the way. Yeah. I mean, I just want to shout out to Jennifer Niven who wrote this. Sorry if I'm pronouncing her last name wrong, but like. <laughs> The way that this was so emotionally written, I was sobbing uncontrollably, like, while reading this book. And even, like, days after, like, I was emotionally unwell because it just truly broke my heart. It made me so angry. Like, for example, when she opens up the message from him on Facebook yeah, after he sent the email to his family. And I'm, like, reading that entire message and it just, like, broke my heart. Kind of, and it, it made makes me, you feel sick. Like, yeah. It made me mad at her, too, because I'm like, why don't you open up your messenger suit? Like, why are you? <laughs> Once again, like, the entire book, I was feeling hopeful because it felt like Violet was his will to yeah. live. And I was so excited for him to have that. And I really wanted there to be a good ending. But then as I kind of got towards the end and I'm reading and I'm like realizing, okay, I do not think he's going to survive this. Everything else that led to him committing suicide made me so mad, whether it was the lack of like initiative from the people around him, the lack of investigative skills around him. Like immediately when they couldn't find him, I was like, he went to the lake or the pond or whatever it was. I'm like, he went back there. And the fact that she realized it so late made me so mad. And just everything about it like when she finds him like i couldn't breathe for like 45 seconds i had to put the book aside because i couldn't read through oh my god like the discovery of him yeah it genuinely felt like i was with the character like i was yeah experiencing that with her yeah i will say as i was reading it okay so you told me you were like oh my god i bawled my eyes out yeah like it wrecked me it wrecked me and listen i wanted to cry <laughs> so bad you don't even know like oh i was sitting God. there and i was like where my tears at where are they <laughs> like, but you watched like, that awful up. movie see okay i think it's because i watched the movie i knew what was gonna happen yeah that was your first mistake it's so beautifully written i mm-hmm. cannot give enough props to jennifer like there's so many great quotes throughout yes. the book and everything is just so beautifully written mm-hmm. that Okay, even though I didn't cry, I know, I'm emotionless. It still wrecked me, like you were saying. Like the quote when after she finds him and she calls 
his mom and she says to the sky she says may your eye go to the sun to the wind your soul you are all the colors in one a full brightness wait i also tapped that I exact was mark crying yeah uncontrollably it just like especially like there's a quote before where she's like kind of in denial she's like but that's not him don't you see yeah people like theodore finch don't die he's just wandering i just couldn't like it generally broke my heart and i didn't watch that god-awful movie by the way if you haven't watched it i do not recommend it immediately it pissed me off i told you i was like okay let me watch it like i was so ready to watch the movie <laughs> after being emotionally wrecked i'm like okay let me be visually emotionally wrecked and then I, the movie starts off he's like on top of a bridge hanging off the ledge and she like talks him say, down yeah and i'm like that's not at all what happens and it pissed me off because that was a catalyst for their entire relationship it's like yeah like they were both on the edge oh. of a bell tower at school okay. and they were talking to each other and he got her off and that's what started the relationship because he became worried about her okay just to play devil's advocate just a little bit so my only issue i will say is that he only becomes intrigued by violet once he like meets her on this bell tower and he has this i can fix her mentality Mm -hmm. and he just starts following her around and just kind of like forcing her to hang out and so like because he became worried about her i know but still because i would do the same if i was about to kill myself and i also saw someone about to kill themselves and i'm constantly looking for a reason to live that person would become my reason to live that oh i see someone who is potentially just as broken as me or that needs help and that needs assistance (laughs) and once again, he became obsessed with the idea of helping her because he wanted to help her. He didn't want her to be like him. I know. That's why it made it just, sense. It, I think it just sucks to me is that she had to be the reason he wanted to live. Yeah. Because I wish he could have found that elsewhere internally. Yeah. So. Ugh. I'm going through my annotations and like the quotes he left, like the letter he left her in the mm-hmm. church. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where he says, like... I teared up at that point. Yeah, it just was insane. Like, he underlined the words in the Bible, which, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. And then he wrote her a letter that says... Or not a letter, sorry. It was the lyrics, which was, you make me happy whenever you're you around. I'm safe it. inside your smile. I'm He's not going to I don't sorry, even know... I don't even know what to... I'll give you a little beat. I'll do some class. <laughs> not the beat. I'm sorry. <laughs> the fact that this is the most emotional part of the book... <laughs> <laughs> it wants to I'm trying to lighten the mood. I can't. I'm literally about to cry all over again. No. I'm going through these quotes. And I. this genuinely was one of the most heartbreaking books I ever read. It was really emotional. And I think it's because a lot of it I was relating to things and events that have happened in my personal life and people I know. Yeah. And I think that's always a tough part. Like with books like these, I unfortunately do this thing where I relate them too much to things I've experienced in life. And that's what it hurts even more. So... I definitely think that was rough, but this is so emotional. Yeah, I agree. It kind of, I know I mentioned it earlier. It just kind of reminded me of my John Green days because it (laughs) kind of gave me the Fault in Our Stars vibes and also Looking for Alaska, which are both by John Green. Yeah. And so this definitely gave Looking for Alaska vibes. Yeah, I think I've like grown out of like obviously kind of this type of YA, Mm -hmm. but don't get me wrong. I absolutely loved it. It was beautifully written. So overall, I did love it. I will say I loved the effect Finch gave Violet. Like the book talked a lot about like his great manifesto and Mm -hmm. like wanting to leave something behind. And I think that was it. It's like he 
left behind love for her. Like there was a lot of things about him that you didn't know. There was so much mystery. Like once mm-hmm. again, like his bipolar disorder, like it was just everything was so unknown. But at the end of the day, like the love he had for her and the support he gave her and the kind of resources and tools to love herself and to love life around her was what he left yeah. for her. And I think that just spoke volumes about who he was as a person, which kind of made me grieve even more because I felt like the world had lost such a great person. Yeah. Even though he's not real, but made me so yeah. sad. Okay. Well, what is your final review, your star rating? This is a five out of five. Okay. So initially, I rated this a 3.5. Oh, God. Out of five. Okay. Don't give that attitude. But as I was going back through and I looked at all these quotes in her writing and everything, I've moved up to a four out of five stars. It wasn't perfect, but I I really did love it. I am not a fan of YA. If anyone knows me, I am not a YA gal. Yeah. Um. Every five seconds, she's like... (laughs) I'm staring away from YA. Like, okay, YA. But this was such a beautifully written YA book. I would even consider it YA, but it's a beautiful book. I highly recommend reading it. If you haven't read it and you kind of still listen for all the spoilers, I still recommend reading it. If you watch the book and you're listening, I mean, if you watch the movie and you're listening, (laughs) go read the book, please. It's so much better. Yes, the book is much better. I've watched the movie and read the book. if you've read the book, do not watch the movie. Don't do that to yourself. But yeah. This was great. I'm going to go cry now. (laughs) See y'all next time.